Hi everyone, this is Fox News Root Raj on the Thursday, August 3rd edition of Let It Rip. Things got heated again as we talked about the latest Trump indictment. This is the third indictment for the former president. Some of the Republicans we had on say, hey, look, this is nothing but a witch hunt. The Democrats on the panel say, wait a minute, he violated the law. We'll dive into that. Plus, the governor says fix the damn roads, but is she putting her money where her mouth is? We're taking a look at the budget and why some Republicans say she needed to do more. And with that, let's let it rip. And so time now to let it rip an all-star panel here taking on the big story of the day with Washtenaw County Prosecutor Ellie Savitt, State Senator Jim Runstead, a Republican, lawyers on opposite sides of the debate, Todd Flood and Terry Johnson, and our own resident anchor and attorney, Charlie Langton, as well. Good to see you all. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's begin with today, what we saw. Terry, we'll start with you. Uh, this former president wanted a huge crowd to show up outside of that courtroom. He tweeted about it. He emailed people about it, as though he was inviting people to uh, an open house or a graduation party. He told the media, the plane will take off at this spot time, it'll land at this time, I'll be walking in from this entrance. A small crowd showed up. What does that say about the fervor around this former president? Well, it's Washington, D.C., so, I mean, I think all 10 Republicans who live in the city probably showed up. So if, if you really look at it, I, I don't think it's a reflection on Donald Trump. I just believe it's the city that we're in. All right, so let's talk about the charges themselves and take a look at them. And I want to kind of wrangle in our attorneys, three of them that we're lucky to have here today. Here are the charges. Obstruction of official proceeding, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., and then another one, a conspiracy to prevent others from carrying out constitutional rights. Let's go back to that day on January 6th. And Todd, we'll go right to you with this one. Um, this former vice president, Pence, today basically saying, hey, you know what? I was put in a situation where I was told... Uh, go and interfere with this election. Did, did, pres did President Trump at the time not realize what he was doing? Oh, he did. Uh, Pence today just threw a Hail Mary because he knows he's not going to get any Trump supporters. So he was doing what he could do best to basically try to find himself some voters. Um, ultimately, everywhere you look, Trump was told what was happening, that the election in and of itself was over. But he was doing everything he could all the overt acts to make it happen that, hey, listen, let's change the votes. That's really what happened. Pence, he knew. I mean, one funny thing, and I think it's in uh, paragraph 90, you're too honest, Pence. Right? Let's I mean, talk, at the let, end of the day, come on now. I think we're all that. trained to be honest. Representative Jim Rohn says, is, is, <laughs> is it a bad thing to be too honest? And why would the former president tell his former running mate, you're too honest? He was telling him that there could be a contested election in the courts. That's what this was about. The attorneys that Trump had were telling him, listen, we can fight this thing in the courts. So this, this cockamamie, ridiculous uh, Hague uh, uh, prosecuting attorney uh, has concocted this thing that if you say something that you believe is untrue, we're going to prosecute you on this. It is absolutely preposterous. Number one, anyone who believes that Trump believes that's untrue, that he thinks he lost the election, he thinks he won the election. He was operating under the uh, advice of her, his attorneys that you can fight this in the court, and that's what he was well, trying to on. do. Hold on. Fight fight what in the court? This is a certification of an election that was taking place in the hallowed grounds of the Capitol. And on that day, we know a couple of things. We know that there's a 12th Amendment that says that the vice president can preside over those proceedings, but not intervene. Shouldn't 
Trump have known that 12th Amendment? Two, two times in our history, there has been a big court case about the electors. Two states objected to this in the past. This was based, the attorneys were basing this on past that, is, court cases. Does the president know the Constitution and understand that if the, the 12th Amendment calls for simply presiding and not interfering and then calling the VP and saying, I want you to interfere, don't you think that that's a violation of the Constitution and also I just I believe decency? he felt that on the advice of his attorneys that he had the ability to ask the vice president to get involved on the advice of his attorneys based upon past court cases that are all being buried and hidden by the media. Ali Sabat, he had three and a half years, this prosecutor did, the special prosecutor and, and the team, to bring these charges forward. And here we are, in a sense, kind of on the dawn of, or the eve of the election season, and all of a sudden these charges bubble up. How can, how can you, as someone who leans left as a Democrat, not see how this could be perceived as political? Well, you know, I read the indictment, and uh, I think that the charges were just by the book. You know, um, yeah. we are talking about a president who is accused of obstructing or interfering with an official government proceeding, the uh, counting of the electoral votes. And it's not just what he asked Mike Pence to do. Uh, there's evidence out there, and we've known this evidence for, for, for a while now. He called the Arizona Secretary of State and said, I need you to find 11,700 votes. And what you see in the indictment, too, is he didn't just say that. He said, it's criminal what's happening here. And by the way, you could be facing criminal charges, too, from the Department of Justice if you don't find those votes. So I don't see anything here that uh, the special counsel overreached on. Uh, I think that all the elements were clearly laid out in the indictment. And of course, we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the evidence to play out in a court of law. Everybody is presumed innocent until proven guilty. But from the facts in the indictment, uh, this is straightforward. It's by the book. And it demonstrates that nobody is above the law in our country. It sounds like Charlie, no, when you take a look no, at this indictment no, and you look at the two sides here, whether you watch, you know, Newsmax or you watch MSNBC, you're hearing two different stories today. When you look at this as a lawyer, these charges, how serious are they too? Well, I think we're going to hear I mean, look, just look at this panel. I can predict 100% certainty what everybody's going to say here. So there's a definitely an over realm of politicalness to this. But I'm wanting to try to add defense. I read the indictment quickly, I'll admit. I want to see evidence. I haven't seen any evidence yet. No one has. Um, but is there an honest belief theory, lawyers here, where I, Trump honestly believed that this election was not counted properly in various states? I agree. And so he went around and said, hey, was your state right? Was your state wrong? Was your state? Challenge it, challenge it. They're, the Constitution, why do we even have this proceeding? Why do we have Congress count the votes? There's a reason for it. Now listen, I'm trying to make a defense. I don't like a political defense. A judge is never going to allow that. But there is an honest belief that he, in his mind, he was proven wrong later, but in his mind, he felt the election was wrong. And so, Todd, does Trump have a First Amendment right to question the veracity of an election? You have a First Amendment right, but you don't have a First Amendment right to commit a crime. Hey, go shoot so-and-so. What was the uh, crime? You didn't yeah, say that. Yeah. Didn't, didn't no, it's an overt that. act by analogy. I'll make it simple for you. An overt act, I need you to manipulate this. He did that on multiple no, occasions. Now, listen, it, common sense is going to dictate the day. You can all say, hey, listen, and it's in the opening of the indictment. You have the right to legally challenge. You do. Right. But you don't have the right to thwart 
a legal, you know. It's a better argument. It's a better argument. Like I say, I think there's a legitimate Terry, do you think, when you listen to your friend here and our friend, Senator Runstead, say, no, that's not what he said. He didn't tell the vice president to basically, you know, to move the way he did. Do you believe that? Do you think that the former president didn't pick up the phone and say, hey, you need to figure out a way to disrupt this? You know, communication is between a sender and a receiver. So if I say something to you and you take it a different way than I meant it, what does it come down to? It kind of goes back to what Charlie said, what's in my head? If he said to, to Vice, Vice President Pence at the time, listen, you need to hold this up. You need to do this because this isn't fair. And he believed what was going on wasn't fair. Then there you have it. But if he said, you know what? I know I lost. This is, you know, I, I'm wrong. So, so you put, I need to so do you, this. So That's an Trump, honest answer. Hold on. You put Trump on the stand to say that, lawyer? Well, I would never put my client on the stand. Well, I'm going to get that but, evidence. Because the burden is not on Mr. Trump. Right, Mr. Prescott? That, that is, that is That's right. The burden is on the Where's people to do that. Well, there's no way you have no defense. Sure there's a defense. Well, well, let, let's go back. What, where, where, are we, where are we with, like, for example, uh, Stacey Abraham in, in Georgia? She did the exact same thing. Where are we with Hillary Clinton, who still to but, this day talks about But with all due things. respect, the fact that you find a problem Problem with the allegations against Stacey Abrams and Hillary Clinton, yet you don't see a problem with the allegations against this former president. And I, I didn't say, no, no, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is I'm looking at how they were treated. I'm looking at how the day after something breaks about a Biden scandal, the day after, three times Donald Trump was indicted by the Department of Justice. And here's the funny part. They get this guy called a special prosecutor. They don't call him a special investigator. They call him a special prosecutor because job is to find and prosecute. He's special. So under one, one ways than one. <laughs> same thing that happened with Bill Clinton, of course, yeah. the special counsel. Yeah. This is a well-established way to statutes. Uh, political considerations from a Department of Justice. Ellie, or or removing people from the ballot, which they're I, trying to do with Trump. I want Ellie to be able to, to, to address this. You're hearing on, on certain conservative channels across the cable news and elsewhere, these conspiracy theories that are being put out there that uh, every time something serious about Biden comes up, it's being sidestepped step with news from Trump. Is, is that the way the justice system works? And how? And tell us, tell us why that's not true. No, I don't believe that's how the justice system works. Of course, I'm not in the Department of Justice, the Federal Department of Justice. But uh, again, from what I can see, they gathered evidence. Right. They've been doing a thorough investigation. They went to a grand jury. The charges are ready when the charges are ready. And these conspiracy theories are just that. They're conspiracies. They're ways to deflect attention from uh, the wrongdoing of the the former president. And look, I want to say this. We're, we all have different political views on this panel, but I hope that at the end of the day, we can all come together and avoid this prospect of weaponizing the justice system and start to talk, start to talk about a tit for tat. Well, what about Hillary Clinton? Well, what about Hunter Biden? Because if we start doing that, we are really going to lose hold of our democracy. So let the charges go. The prosecutor is making a great point. What we're having here is is absolutely a tit for tat. What we're having here is a case where Jack Smith, the the prosecutor, is appointed by the special. attorney general, special special prosecutor, appointed by the attorney general. That's his boss. Who's his boss? Biden. So when Biden and Trump are, are tied forty four percent, Trump's thirty seven percent above his opponents. They're going after in the middle. 
of a campaign to try to stop. We have this guy. So let me ask you a very clear question. The most most important thing is this should be the most rock solid case in those sets of circumstances. It's weak as can. It's as weak as a dead cat. The president of the United States is getting on the horn with Merrick Garland and saying, hey, go talk to your special prosecutor and pass along these things because I think this is important. Do you think that's coming right from the White House? Oh, I I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if this whole thing is all tied together. Half of the United States, I'll tell you right now, believes that. Why are you warning half the United States? We get that they believe it, but they believe it because they're being told to believe it. No, no, you know, because this this has never been done before. This is the first time in history. Todd, answer that question then. How is it that... That that couldn't be the case. You waved your head back and forth like there's no way the president would be telling his attorney general to tell the special prosecutor. Look at this case from the standpoint of all the co-conspirators in this case. Look at the people that are singing in this case. Look at uh, how many people are snitches that are trying to save themselves. Are you kidding me? What hat are you thinking of when you think one thing, this is all done by Biden? Are you kidding? At the end of the day, you find a statute, you see the facts, go to the facts and see if it violates that statute. If it does, what do you do? Do you not charge or do you charge? That's what happened here. Read this indictment. If any of you have read this indictment Mm -hmm. from front to back and you can say with a straight face, there are not facts in there that violate the law. Did you read the indictment? Uh, I I can tell you what the fact that is left out of the indictment is where Trump said, I am asking you to peacefully and patriotically protest. That is a key piece of this left out of the indictment because it's a political indictment. But I want to know, he he was not charged for the January 6th storming that's of right. he was the not, That's not a He was indictment. charged it's with attempting to obstruct the electoral votes that's, counted. That's exactly so the fact right. that he said, uh, I want you to peacefully protest is really never, he, neither here that nor wasn't, that there. Is, it's immaterial. Let me ask you this, Senator Runstead. Final question. Mike Pence, a good, respectable patriot, a good American man who's honest, yes or no? Uh, I believe he is. I also believe that Trump was making a request at the behest of his attorneys. He was talking to uh, his attorneys. So if they're saying that the attorneys cannot recommend this, or if they do, they go to jail. If he asks Pence these questions and he goes to jail, if, like you said, uh, that he says, can you find, he didn't say manufacture uh, votes. He said, can you find, as though there's lost votes. If you do that, uh, this is criminalizing uh, anyone that's an attorney that's fighting a, a court case on elections I, and anyone, anyone who says on a court case and an election, I have find a problem, they're going to be weaponized. You're right. It's going to go tit for tat. When the Republicans get in, there'll be pro- it'll be prosecutions back and forth. That's what's Senator. happening here. Thank you for your time today. Todd Flood, thank you. Ellie Savitt, always good to see you. Terry, thank, thank you, you as well. Charlie thank and I, you. on the other side of the break, are talking about this. A busy week here at home with the budget being signed. And you know what? When you hear the word budget, you kind of go, what are we talking about here? We're talking about some important things. You know, the governor ran on fixing the damn roads, but Republicans say this multi-billion dollar budget doesn't touch that enough. That debate rolls on next. Back now, let it rip, debating the latest state budget and whether it does enough for us here in Michigan, including our roads and our kids. Is it going far enough? Joining us now, two lawmakers who worked on that bill, State Representative Noah Arbit and State Senator Jim Runstead. Also, Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton with us. Good to see all of you. Uh, I want to begin, though, because it's such a big day, of course, in our country. Uh, I think on both sides of the aisle, you could say it's a sad day when you have a former president indicted. But Representative uh, Arbit, you're here right now. A little bit about your thoughts on this. People are saying, hey, this is nothing but a witch hunt. 
Your thoughts? Yeah, well, um, I think that the most important thing that we can protect is our democracy. And when we have someone, including someone who occupies or has occupied the highest office in the land and is a threat to that democracy, you know, following the facts, you know, where they lead and this, this indictment, I think, you know, I think the special prosecutor did exactly that. And I, you know, was uh, happy to see those charges because I think that, granted, we all saw this play out on TV. And I think that this is, this is important to hold, you know, the former president accountable for his acts, his crimes against our democracy. Senator Runstead, I know that he's innocent until proven guilty, but you have some strong thoughts saying this is uh, this is a witch hunt. And Noah is absolutely correct. The most important thing we could be doing is protecting our democracy, and that is exactly what is not happening here. This the uh, attorneys I've talked to, constitutional uh, attorneys, attorney who's one of the best in the nation, have all said this is an, an absolutely weak case. Three indictments and a few months, one after another. As soon as Biden has some disclosures against him, out comes another one of these cockamamie indictments that Trump is going to have to fight as the number one opponent to Biden. Biden is the boss of uh, the attorney general who is the boss of this Jack and uh, so Smith. You see that so trail. the whole thing is completely a uh, political uh, warfare. Okay, so let's talk about the important uh, work that's being done on the ground in Lansing. You two have been working in concert to try to pass this budget, obviously a bipartisan budget, but one that you don't necessarily... Senator Run said, see eye to eye with, with Noah here, with Representative Arbit. And part of it's because of the roads. Interesting thing here. The governor said, fix the damn roads. You're saying she didn't go far enough in this budget. And the whole thing, uh, whenever they could pick up two, three, I think in the Senate, there's maybe four or five uh, that voted for this. It wasn't bipartisan. And if you if you play ball, you're going to get a whole lot for your district. But everybody pays for that. Yeah, this, this uh, fix the damn roads was her mantra all the way through. We had $9 billion sitting there, one-time money. When it's gone, it's gone. $200 million out of the $9 went to the roads. This is what happens when you have secret budgets. This was the most secret budget in the history of the of the state of Michigan. We had this the quadrant go in there, and they were coming up with new expenditures that no one had even ever seen before the 1,600 pages but flopped on our desk. the office says it was $416 million poured into roads. You're saying $200 million. In to in total versus the, the, the additional why, through the $9 billion. Representative Arbit, that's simply not enough, says the senator here. If it's the governor ran kind of on fraction. that and won, then perhaps there should be more money going to our infrastructure. Well, there's never enough, right? We know that, you know, we don't have the money to, you know, make up for really decades of disinvestment, frankly, under Republican leadership that we've had, decades of disinvestment in our infrastructure, in our schools, in, in our child care, in, our, in health, in mental health, right, in public safety, all of these things that this budget is going to make a transformative uh, investment in. We know that we can't make up for those decades of disinvestment in one fiscal year budget. But you're saying that, that we simply don't have the money, yet you, you had a, a surplus. You have $9 billion sitting there. That's a lot and, of money. And we, have a lot, we had a lot of priorities due to the decades of disinvestment. Again, public safety safety, mental health, child care, our education budget, all of those uh, important items, priorities for the people of Michigan that we are investing in uh, with Democratic leadership that Republicans had let atrophy for decades. You know, we can't make up for it all in one fiscal year, but we took a big bite out of the apple. Charlie, you've seen the construction codes everywhere you go. Enough being done? Well, I do think, I think when you, I don't know the numbers like these guys know the numbers. I'm not in the legislature, but what I do know is that on a, from a public point of view, if she runs on the, on, the, on the slogan, fix the damn roads and the roads are not fixed, 
she's going to lose, and it's going to hurt future elections. I think she's really, she won on the election. That's a good topic. She's smart. She's very smart. Uh, but she's got to have some results. So I don't know if there's enough money or not. I want to see some more barrels. Got a lot of barrels out there. And so I think that, the, you know, when you say budget, oh my God, budget. Yeah. But let's see something with that. Let's see more fixing on the roads. And I think if, if I was the governor, I'd be out there and say, well, I'm fixing the damn roads. And that would do her well. Now, Senator said you've talked a little bit about how you don't think that there was a little piece of the education budget here that you weren't thrilled with. But if you really look at what they did here, we're talking about $611 million in dedication to education. The per pupil funding went up 458 bucks. We're talking about $9,600 a piece for each student. Not enough? They also spent a mountain of money on electric buses. They're not going to be able to serve the purpose. Uh, we can't get any information on the transportation for the rural districts. Is it all going to go to urban districts that don't know it? There's no transparency. I think the most important takeaway that we can have today is that Michigan is the least transparent and transparency well, stops describe, corruption. What do you mean by that when you say least transparent? What's being held back? Every, every survey you look at in the nation says Michigan is the least transparent. We're the only state left that does not have freedom of information. That That's means, immaterial that, that, means the that means, by the way, when he says it's immaterial, I had uh, a whole series of bills that one would say that every one of these port projects has to have the legislator's name to it. Every one of those pay hundreds and hundreds of billions. I, I read and, the and, and, budget. Uh, it's online. It's accessible. No, 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 no. Okay, reading the budget doesn't tell you who made the request. All the corruption oh. is who's getting the money in the cash in the campaign because the lobbyists wanted you to put that, is there that, that much request Is there that much corruption in the it's, legislature? It's the most corrupt in the, in the state, in who's the nation. Corrupt? Who's corrupt? The legislature, the governor, the whole <laughs> thing. It's, when you don't <laughs> have transparency, when you don't have transparency, you have corruption. That is how it works. Sunshine is the antiseptic to corruption. We are the least transparent right, state. There's not one that we, what are the all legislators have to sign a form that says they they advocated for a certain project. If that project got funding attached to, I got I got $500,000 to fix a bridge in Kego Harbor in my district. Um, that will have my name attached to it. 45 days after the signature, which could take but, months but to get argue, their signature. But don't argue that there's Three no months later. Oh, yeah. saying, no, I want it before. My but, bill says before that we'd see it before we voted. But he's saying that there's transparency in the sense that someone has to sign off on it, the representative. But you have, you have a real problem when it comes to appropriations. And we have about two minutes left. I want to talk to you about this. Right to Representative Arvid. Appropriations basically is a, a fancy word that means, hey, I want to be able to take the money this much that's earmarked and go work on that project in my district to curry favor of my voters and do the right thing in my district. Now, it. Representative Arvid, some people are saying just simply too much freedom is given to some of these lawmakers to spend way too much of our money well, in not one quite, place. That's not quite how it works, right? We know we have statewide priorities and then there is, you know, a certain amount of money that is that is advocated towards uh, uh projects that are located in individual members' districts. Every project, every line item in the budget is in someone's district, no, right? That's, that's how it works. I didn't but request the, one. But the fact is, is that, you know, these are communities that have seen decades of disinvestment and have been left out and left behind. And so our Democratic majority is making sure that, you know, we are funding, you know, inner cities. We are funding rural communities. The the education budget puts in a formula to ensure that busing in rural Senator, communities is defrayed. What's, what what that's all so, the priorities you just mentioned? Appropriations, he's saying, essentially helps stop the gap in so many all, of the services. What's all these appropriations were hidden. You won't find out till 45 days after the signature who made the request. What it was 16 
1,600 pages. Let me tell you why it matters. Good. It was 1,600 pages. We had three hours to read it. The media is still reading it. A month later, still trying to figure this out. Three hours to read 1,600 pages, and it was filled with pork that was hidden. We didn't know who made the is request. Is this unlike other legislatures across it's the country? It's not. Oh, there's no state that, that does not have FOIA except no, for Michigan. It's, it's also budget. not unlike what previous Michigan legislatures oh, I, there, and previous there, Michigan budgets. We, we, it's a similar process. States Democrats have not budget. departed from process. the process. Uh, well, I, I was listening to uh, Murs say that it was the least transparent ever in the history. But yes, the Republicans had non-transparent bills. I fought those. I voted against them, just like I am this. But this is the worst I've ever seen. Representative Arbit, uh, Senator Runset, we're going to come back on the other side of the break with some final thoughts. Final thoughts, Representative Arbit. You're hearing the senators say corruption and transparency, two issues. You don't think those are issues? No, I mean, I certainly think that, you know, we have a lot of work to do to improve the culture uh, in Lansing, culture that, you know, has been, you know, decades in the making. But, you know, Michigan Democrats are really committed to ensuring that, you know, we are going to be delivering on the bills uh, to implement Proposal 1. Um, and we're going to make and sure that we go like even that. further on transparency and reform. Disinvestment in the road, disinvestment in culture, uh, yeah. Senator Runstead? Well, transparency, uh, the antiseptic to, uh, to corruption is transparency. Michigan, by every acknowledgement, is the least transparent. I also believe it is in the most corrupt state in the nation. And every Two transparency bill I put forward is dead on arrival. Two of our lawmakers from Lansing joining us here in Metro Detroit, Senator Runstead and Representative Arby. Good to see you, Charlie. Always good to see you. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip. The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.